Well, good morning. My name is Brian. We want to welcome those of you who are brand new. Uh, we want to welcome those of you who are watching online. And of course, it's always great uh, being together with you as a church. How many cops do you know? How many cops do you know that actually could help you out? Let's say if you got a ticket. All right. How many? I have lots of great cop friends that are here. My grandfather was a Franklin County Sheriff, and uh, I've always had a heart for uh, uh, those of you who are in law enforcement and uh, the particular challenges that you have. One of my cop friends here, his name is John. I love John for two reasons, besides being one of the funniest people I know. Number one, every single year, he gives me what I call my get-out-of-jail-free card. And uh, the get-out-of-jail-free card, basically, my friends say this, that if you get pulled over by the police, you just put it right on top of your license, you hand it to the police, and you get out, I don't know, maybe three out of the last five tickets you've gotten. That's what my friends say. I don't know, because I don't speed, because I'm not going to go to hell. Second thing... Second thing I love about my friend John is that when our friendship first started, I was coaching his daughter in soccer, and he would walk through the parking lot, and he would look down at my inspection sticker and go, bro, that's all he had to say. Like, should I just give you the ticket right now? Bro, come on, right? And when that happened the second time, and yes, it did happen two years in a row, I said, that's it. And then I went and I got the inspection date for every single one of our cars, and I put it on our calendar. And then I just took it one step further and uh, put on my calendar when tires need rotated and the oil change. Basically, whenever I needed to get my car into a, into, for a checkup, I realized that this whole sort of fly by the seat of your pants, sort of wait and see approach wasn't really going to work. And what I learned is what he knew and what other people knew as well is that automotive care and maintenance is just too important to leave to chance. And the same thing goes with our personal finances. Some people have a wait-and-see approach to their personal finances. They don't really think a lot about them. They don't really analyze them on a regular basis. They don't strategize. They don't plan. They don't evaluate until they can't afford something. And that's sort of like the little blinker on the dashboard. But when you can't afford something, you figure out, well, how can we make this work? And so then you go and you make cuts and changes and that sort of thing. Maybe we can get by with not really thinking strategically about when we change the air filter in the house, you know, but certainly not with automotives and definitely not with our finances. How many of you would agree that if, you're don't, if you don't stay on top of your finances, your finances can go sideways very quickly. I think we all know that probably from, from personal pain and struggle by having done that. If you don't pay attention to your finances and stay on top of them, they can go sideways really, really fast. And just like cars need regular checkups, so does our finances. Greg McEwen in his book, Essentialism, the disciplined pursuit of less, he said, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. Isn't that true? If you don't prioritize, and when it comes to finances, someone always has a plan for how you need to spend your money. Well, some people have a wait-and-see approach to personal finances. Others schedule regular financial checkups to evaluate how things are going and what adjustments need to be made, and that's what we're going to do today. I'm calling today's talk the Fully Devoted Follower Financial Checkup. 
Now, one of the things I don't do well that I'm going to try to do more regularly and do a better job of is talk about our church's mission and vision. How many of you know our church's mission? Like you can say it out loud. That's a problem. And you know who owns that problem? You're looking at it. We're going to be fixing that. Our mission as a church is to help people far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We get that based on Matthew 28 where Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all pagans. Mathetusite pantata ethnes literally says, make learners of the pagans, the people who don't know Jesus. And so that's our mission. We want to find people who don't know God, and we want to help them learn how to obey Jesus' teachings in their everyday life. But we have a strategy for how we're going to do that, and that is our vision. Our vision is to build a church that unchurched people love to attend. Now, a lot of people think that's because the way we do that is we're going to do creative music, or we're going to do funny videos, or that's the way that we're going to structure our facilities, or how we're going to dress, or how that's the language we're going to use. That's not it at all. Our strategy, our vision of wanting to build a church that unchurched people attend, all of that stuff is a reflection of that, but that's not the heartbeat of it. Our vision as a church it's sort of like what you experience, let's say, if your neighborhood had a get-together at someone's house. I don't know how many of you are in neighborhoods, and you have a neighborhood where someone says, let's get together, and let's have dinner, we get to know one another, and then you start having that dinner every single month. Let's imagine the church is like a get-together in your neighborhood. How many of us have walked into a room where we didn't know anyone, and the people that were there, we walk in, and we see the back of their heads, right? They're talking, they're, they're greeting one another, and they're connecting with one another. Why? Because just like Christians, they learn you are born to have relationships and you're born to connect more deeply with people. A lot of Christians will think, right? I need to go and I need to connect deeply with other Christians, and they're absolutely dead on correct. But there are two kinds of relationships we need to have at the same time if you truly want to grow as a Christian. It's relationships with other Christians, and it's relationships with other people far from God. Because that's our mission. That's what Jesus said. Okay, so back to our illustration of you walk into a room, and you see the back of people's heads. We all know how awkward that feels, particularly those of us who are introverts. Raise your hand, you introverts. Come on, just give me a little, you know what I'm saying, right? Extroverts are like, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to turn it on because you guys have that gift. The introverts are like, nope, I'm turning around going home. You walk into the room and you see the back of the heads. How many of you have also been in a situation where people are talking, they look at you and they're doing this and they bring you in? In fact, they walk over and they shake your hand and they introduce yourself and then they walk you over and they make you feel special. They make you feel like you're a part of things. That's our vision as a church. Okay? When someone walks through the doors of a church for the very first time, it is a frightening thing. So as disciples of Jesus, what we have to do when Jesus calls us in the 21st century to pick up our cross, you may have had a terrible terrible week and all you want to do is grab your Christian friends and 
man, I just need your support and that sort of thing. When you pick up your cross and follow Jesus, you're going to do that always doing this with other people that are new. Okay? So our vision is to create this community where people who are far from God don't have to go through 50 million hoops and they don't constantly feel like they're on the outside, that we are constantly welcoming them. But our mission is to help people far from God become fully devoted followers. Listen, we don't need to create a church where people get nicer, more moral friends. You can get that at the YMCA. They're doing a great job out of I love you, YMCA people. You can get, you don't need a church for that. What we want to do is we want to see people's lives change. We want to see kids' attitudes change. We want to see people live lives that are more devoted to God. We want to see marriages grow. We want to see people who are living holier, kinder, more gracious lives, constantly enveloping people into the journey of following Jesus together. That's why money is a big part of that. You can't just say as a Christian, I'm going to serve, that's what I do with my money. Jesus is, if Jesus gave that option, we would just leave it that way. When Jesus talks about finances, he has a very clear system of how his followers are to handle their money. Now, that said, I skipped a picture. I gotta, I gotta brag on our student ministries. I love our volunteers and our student ministries, and I love our staff. They're really working hard right now in middle school. Really working hard across the board, but in middle school, they're really not, they're completely revamping what we're doing on Sunday morning over there. Uh, they're completely changing things, and one of the things they did over the last couple of weeks, they completely are changing the warehouse, which is at the bottom of our, our kids' building, and they completely painted it, and they, without even asking, they just put this up. I love this statement here. You belong before you believe. How many of you believe that? All right, you feel welcomed, and then once I feel welcomed, then I can learn what it means to follow Jesus, and that's what we're doing here today. So here's what we're going to do, okay? Um, I need everyone to grab a pen and a piece of paper, all right, or a pencil, or lipstick, just something the right way. And I need you to grab in a program, there's a sermon notes, because what you're going to do is you're going to draw a picture. If you don't have a piece of paper, that's okay. Grab your friend's pants. Just write on the pants. Draw on your hand. But I want, I have a problem really understanding something if I can't picture it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do this financial checkup. And I'm going to ask you three questions. And to sort of picture it and put it all together, we're going to draw a picture, okay? Here's what we're going to do. Grab that piece of paper and a pen. What I want you to do is across the top of it, I want you to draw a line that goes all the way across the top, okay? And above that line, what I want you to write down is God's provision level, all right? God's provision level. As a follower of Jesus, those of you who are interested in becoming one and those of us who have already made the declaration that he is what the Bible would call our Lord, the person that we give total allegiance to above politics, above family, above friends, above our own personal interests and future and even our lives, we stake our claim to following him as our Lord above all other things. When we say that, what we acknowledge is that every single thing in life is coming from him. Agree or disagree? You exist because of God. 
You have health, or you're able to work, or you got an education, or opportunities came your way, or you have resources, you have income, or you have expected income that's going to be coming in the next two to four weeks, because he provides it, and that's God's provision to you. Now, every single person in this room has been given a provision level, okay? So here's the first question I want to ask, sort of the checkup, the biblical checkup is this. Have I accepted God's provision level for this season in my life? Can I look at that provision level and say, God, I accept that that is enough? How many of you um, have heard of the the verse Philippians 4.13? It's a a Bible verse that if there's a Bible verse you're going to memorize, that's in the top five or ten. And does anybody know it, right? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or through him who gives me strength, okay? Famous Christian verse. Do we know the context of that verse? The book of Philippians essentially was a letter about money. And in the fourth chapter, the context of that verse is this. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether my provision level is up here, I'm well fed, or my provision level is down here, I'm living in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What is the all things that we can do? Be content. That provision level right now, I have to be content with. That's what God has given me right now. Can it change? Yes. Can you go get another job? Of course you can. Can you get a second job? Yes, you can. But that is the provision that God has given you right now. From God's hand, as as we're following him, we accept that. And I'm going to be content living at that level right now. Here's the second question, okay? Am I adding to God's provision level by going into debt? Okay? Here's what I want you to do. At that picture that you've drawn where it says God's provision level, what I want you to do right now is I want you to write down your total household income on that line. Can you do that real fast? And then what I want you to do, after you've written it down, I want you to lean over to the person next to you and ask them, did you get more than me? Okay? Can you? Don't do that. Yeah, don't do. That would be bad. That would be under the category of bad, right? But that's what we often do. We look straight down the line. We look around the people that we're living with, especially to our parents, to our friends, to our family members. And we immediately tell God, God, wait a minute. We obviously got our wires crossed because this provision level is not enough for us. They got more. I deserve more. At this stage in my life, my provision level needs to be bumped. So you pray about it, nothing happens, and then you're like, you know what, I'm going to take this matters into my own hands. I'm going to add and bump up my provision level by going into debt. Now, Proverbs 22.7, as Dave Ramsey says, the ritual over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. When we bump up our provision level, it comes with an asterisk. And the asterisk is, it feels good temporarily. But there's a long-term ball and chain that comes with it. Now, Dave Ramsey did a great job talking about that, but he also does a great job talking about the solution, what to do 
if you do have that ball and chain, take a look. So the question I think Jesus wants us to ask ourselves this morning is, if there's any debt, if there's any consumer debt at all, is how much do we have and what's the plan to get out? You hear it in your voice, Ramsey said. So do you have that urgency? Now here's something I want you to commit today. Just this summer, I just want you to be careful about the decisions you're making. And about this, we live in an area where it's, it's, I've lived, I don't, know, I don't know how many of you have lived in different places around the country. This is an interesting area. People in this area go on like two vacations a year, sometimes three. Like you, we do understand that is not normal across the board. Certainly no one on the planet does that except the very top 1% of the 1% of the people on the planet. But the way that's done usually is on credit. And listen, I know uh, we work hard. I know we feel the burden. And I know what it feels like when you go to Cancun and you're lying on the beach and you snap a picture of your ugly looking feet and you put it on social media, right? Uh, what is that? What's that beer, the Corona or whatever? And it, you know, and the picture. Oh, please stop. On behalf of the 30, 37% of Americans who are creeped out by feet, stop. Please stop. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? Thank you very much. We do not need to see any more of that. Anyway, so just say this summer, you know what? I'm not going to do that. We're going to go on a vacation that we can pay for in cash because no matter what kind of relief you feel on the vacation, four weeks later when you get the bill, it's the ball and chain. Now, here's the third question. Am I joyfully returning to God 10% of what he has provided like he asked? So go back to your drawing. What I want you to do is obviously put a line that through that line that says, God got my provision level wrong, so I'm going to go into debt to add more. And what I want you to do is put a line 10% below that God's provision line, and I want you to write on that line the part I joyfully return to God. This is what the Bible calls a tithe. God is saying, everything that I give you is mine. I'm going to give it to you. I gave it to you. It all comes from your hand. What I want you to do is return back to me for the expansion of my kingdom and people's lives through the Great Commission, that 10%, and then take that 90% and save for the future. Live wisely. Pay off your debt. Do fun, cool stuff with it. Uh, And also, out of that 90% you give periodically to uh, what the Bible would call free will offerings, offerings that are just given, like you just want to participate in it, be it the kids' camp offering we're doing or a mission trip that someone's going on. That's what we do with that 90%. Now, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Tithing just simply means that we, it's all from God, and he asks us to return a portion of that. A lot of Christians will say, I tithe other ways. I will serve, or I will give to other charities. But just understand that that is not what the Bible says to do. That's not, as a Jesus follower... Giving to an organization that non-Christians created and considering that a tithe or even giving to another ministry, a 501c3 nonprofit somewhere, 
that is in competition for that money. Jesus says that is just something we just don't do as Jesus followers. A lot of Christians will say, I will go to this church, but I'll give the money over there because I like that church, that church better. Malachi 3.8 says, listen, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Now, this tithing thing is a real test, as anyone who has ever done it knows. And this test comes every two weeks, every month, every week, whenever the earnings come in. Here's a secret. I don't know if you know this. There are two groups of people in this room, people who tithe and people who don't tithe. The people who tithe and the people who don't tithe think the same thing about the other group. The other group thinks that the other group, they're idiots. The people that don't tithe think that the people who tithe are idiots, like, oh, seriously, God's going to provide that extra. And the people who do tithe look at the people who don't, and they're like, I don't understand why you won't do this. The people who do tithe look at the people who don't, and they're like, you're never going to have a story to tell of God's favor on your life. You're never going to lay your head on their pillow at night, knowing that you're doing financial. This is always going to be a thing in the back of your mind. As you project to other people that you're in community with that you're all in when really you're not. These people will say that you can't tithe, but, but you're going to end up actually paying more for college probably than the people who do tithe. You're going to have less money in retirement than the people who do tithe. It just makes no sense. But the biggest thing is the, the, the feeling that will always be missed because like you have all of these things that are available to you and your family. There are people that will take their kids in our kids' classes and student ministries and different experiences and stuff like that. And everybody else is sacrificing to make those things happen except them. So the big question is what kind of Christians do we want to be? More importantly, what kind of example do we want to set for our kids and grandkids? There are lots of people in this church that have the freedom that comes from knowing that they're being a fully devoted follower in the finances. Like this one couple here. Friends of mine that said, we came to CCV about 15 years ago. We were baptized, total non-Christians. Started to follow God's word in varying degrees. And even though the Bible said it, we never even considered giving one-tenth of our income. Like, it wasn't even on the radar. We were like what we had left kind of givers. And at that point in our lives, we had nothing left ever. Even though we had two incomes, we had 95000 in unsecured debt and decided to give tithing a chance. We looked at it like a financial diet. And we were amazed at what God provided and what God took away. God hasn't continues to take distractions out of our lives. Things have started to change in many ways. But it was our hearts related to money that changed the most. We are now debt-free and have saved one year's expenses for an emergency fund. Think about that. Weren't Christians, became Christians, began doing that, paid off all their debt, and saved up an entire year of money in the bank for emergency expenses. Brian spoke of a man a few years ago who asked why he ties and gives offerings. He said, he said he shovels it out and God shovels it back in. And God always has a bigger shovel. We have experienced that in our life time and time again 
through the journey of tithing. Listen, it's not lost on me that some of you right now think, you know what, I don't even have money to buy toilet paper. And you're telling me that you want me to do this. First of all, I'm not telling you that I want you to do this. This is what the Bible says. My friend Rick Stacy was a pastor at Beaver Creek Christian Church, told me one time that a wonderful lady in his church recently went through a divorce, a 13-year-old son, week to week. Man, it was week to week. But they prayed at dinner. They were going to do money God's way, and God provided as a newly single mom. They would get to dinner, and they would simply pray, God, these are the needs that we have right now. And God always met those needs. Until one month, this woman told my friend Rick that they went and paid for all of their expenses, but halfway through the month, they had an emergency. They had no toilet paper. So she goes to dinner. She said, I completely collapsed. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And she said, my son grabbed my hand and said, Mom, let's just pray, just like before. God, thank you for this food. We need toilet paper. Amen. Then Rick told me the next morning, the mom was woken up with the 13-year-old son running back and forth through the apartment, screaming, God has answered our prayer, Mom. God has answered our prayer. Look outside. Someone had toilet papered their entire apartment (laughs) from the roof to the bottom. I'm not talking about just a little bit. It was like a toilet paper bomb went off, she said. And they went out and just picked up all that toilet paper, like in the Old Testament, going up and picking up manna, and brought in this massive amount of toilet paper into their apartment. She was like, okay, God, I get it. Okay, God, I get it. And here's the question. Was it like the toilet paper angels or was it some random teenage prank? I just think you need to understand, listen, there's not a person in this room that hasn't had tight financial situations. But we serve a God of unlimited resources and he tells you he's going to be there. He's going to meet your needs. So I have three challenges, all right? The first challenge is this. Don't allow yourselves to pay one more penny on credit this summer. For something like a vacation. Yeah, if you're going to buy a house, go buy a house on credit. It's going to give you a return. Don't go to Sea Isle. Well, seriously, don't go to Sea Isle. I don't like Sea Isle. No, I'm just kidding. So let's just let's make that commitment. We're going to do that, okay? Just, we're just not going to do that this summer. So if that means you have to change plans, just change plans. That means you need to drive, you drive. That means you need to Airbnb, whatever you need to do. Second, begin tithing this week. Not because I asked you. Not because the church needs it. This isn't some fundraising gimmick. This is something we all are asked to do. For some of you, this will be new, and it will be a challenge. But everything that Jesus asks us to do is a challenge. When was the last time you were like, i got to be honest, following Jesus is just easy. Honestly, it just comes like that. It's, just, it's hard, but it's worth it. There are others in the room that need to recommit to tithing. Like things got tied at one point and you just stopped and you just never started again. Listen, you matter to God. Your giving matters because Jesus said it matters. And your giving matters because it goes to change lives. And so if you're taking the money that God has given you and you're spending on golf and 
going on a vacation and buying stuff. I mean, I mean, go just straight down the list, all the stuff that you would. And we're just not. It's it's it has eternal consequences. And so, if you stop, just start back up. Listen, the last thing is I want to encourage you to set up automated giving online. The reason I, I ask you to do that is I firmly believe if Jesus was here, he would say that. He would say that. Now, here's why. In the 21st century, let's say two months ago, you went out and you bought a house. And then now you have a mortgage payment that's coming up in July. Okay? So you have a new mortgage payment. What do you do when you have a mortgage payment? I guarantee virtually every single person in this room will go and set up automatic payments in their account. Because if you're traveling out of town or whatever, you know that that's going to hit, right? There's not a person in this room who's like, you know what? We just got a house. But I'm thinking in July, we're going to skip it. We're going to skip it. The bank's going to be fine. We're just going to skip it. You're not going to do that because you're going to be like at Sea Isle, right? Paid for in cash, but you don't want to worry about missing that payment because you're going to do it online. Payments that are made in the 21st century in 2018, when we commit to actually doing them, are all committed in online giving. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. I just firmly believe that's what Jesus would say. Is that it's one thing to say you're going to do. It's a completely different thing when you put your mortgage payment in there paid online. You set it up and you set it and you forget it. So maybe some of you need to go to ccvlive.com, hit the giving button, pull that down, click it, and just set up the recurring giving. Whatever it is, take a step forward. Whatever God is calling you to do this summer, take that step. Take that hard step. Because the hard step right now that you take is become, it will become the easy thing that becomes the thing that you experience that provides the blessing later. You take the easy step, you always pay for it later. You take the hard step now, you reap the benefits later. Let's pray. God, we thank you for providing everything from your hand. We thank you for blessing us with health, with jobs, with income. God, we thank you for the fact that there's probably not a person in this room this week that has to worry about eating. There's probably not a person in this room that has to worry about a place to lay their head. Every single thing comes from your hand. God, expand our mind and our vision and our hearts to include in that what you want us to do with our money. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.